0: G'day and welcome to the Pursuit of Freedom Podcast. I'm your host, Rosie Burrows, and I'm on a journey to find my freedom so that I can help you do exactly the same. Join me each week as I share the stories of everyday people who have found their own path to freedom. I'm not gonna focus on job titles and accolades because I don't care about that stuff, and neither should you. I want to uncover what truly makes you tick. Who are you when you step away from society's expectations? follow your heart. I still haven't figured it out yet, have you? Either way, buckle up because it's going to be one hell of a ride. With me today is Rachel Ranieri. Um, I met Rachel on LinkedIn, I think late last year and she's an amazing person and I can't wait to dive into this episode. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's such a great opportunity to be here and always lovely to share time in your presence, Rosie.
0: Oh, thank you. I feel the same. <laughs> now, one of the first things we spoke about together um, was this idea of the superwoman complex. And I really want to dive into this. And there's so many other things we're going to talk about today, I'm sure. But let's start there. What does the superwoman complex mean to you and how does that show up in your life?
1: Oh, yes. Such a strong starting point. (laughs) I think um, (laughs) this idea, this superwoman complex, the idea that uh, because I can, I should. Mm. um, And if I'm not, then, you know, I'm not living up to, to something. And so You know, just this kind of immense pressure to be able to hold the weight of the world at all times. Mm -hmm. Um, I I had a therapist say that I was trying to put out all the fires all the time, and I realized it often just made me (laughs) kind of tired. And everything Mm. a little bit damp you know there's Mm -hmm. (laughs) not enough water energy but you you get this idea that you can and and once you maintain that for a while you kind of keep riding it um feeling like any less would be a reduction
0: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how does it show up for you yeah similar you know (laughs) this whole this thing you said of if you can then you should and for me this whole thing of people pleasing definitely Mm. comes into it because I'm so caught up in living up to people's expectations and I don't want to let anybody down and I have a really strong work ethic and I don't want to be seen as lazy and my default is always to say yes Um, because you know people say you know take advantage of all the opportunities you get and I feel so lucky and privileged when people come to me with an opportunity and I say yes before I even think about actually, is this something I want to do? Is this something I have capacity to do? Um, So that's something I've really struggled with. I just default to yes so often and nine times out of ten it gets me in a situation where (laughs) it's not ideal and I either have to sort of push through and it's not great or I'll be in the situation where I have to retroactively say no, which I think is even Mm. more difficult saying no up front
1: yes and yes i love that you you say that saying yes component and i'm sure you're similar to me where you have a lot of different Mm. roles in your life um from your own personal endeavors and interests and and the pockets you fit in there and to all of the relationships you have uh the positions the jobs Mm -hmm. etc um, and trying to carry all of those all of the time, I think, wanting to be the perfect in each one of those is, I think, something I've wrestled with for a good portion of my life. And I love this metaphor I've heard, I can't remember who to attribute it to, but of juggling and this idea that you not all of the balls that you're juggling are glass. You've got to be able to identify which balls are rubber mm-hmm. and which are glass because you are going to drop the ball right. at times. So you need to be able to drop the rubber balls. Um and that changes and adjusts and, you know, that ability to say no in certain roles and certain areas and kind of see the trade offs and sacrifices we have to make to be a f- all an all encompassing multifaceted mm. person. Um, as part of the letting go of that superwoman
0: complex I think for me and is this this superwoman complex something that has been present in your life since I don't know I know for me it's probably since I was a child is that the same for you
1: yes I think I think I would say so um I've always been a very high energy person um Mm. and really diving into things yeah it kind of seems to accelerate and, and slow down at times I right. mean, I don't know. Does it come in waves for you?
0: Yeah. Sometimes <laughs> I'm really good at um, standing in my power and just grounding myself and being honest with what's important to me and being comfortable with saying no. I think when, I'm, when I've got too many things on my plate, I'm spinning a million plates, I get overwhelmed and I fall back into old habits and I go, yep, I can do that, yep, yep, yep. And you can't possibly do all the things at once, and so I'm a really strong believer that getting better at saying no is so important because it allows you to say yes to the things that really matter. Um, so part of my journey has been getting clear on what's actually important to me
1: that yes, that's a great point i I've read over the past few years i've I've done a lot of personal growth um that has been exciting, and I read an article—I can't remember who to attribute it to again—about <laughs> defining your values and making your choices based on that, um, and kind of creating a hierarchy of of what you value mm-hmm. first. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's wealth, community, um, sustainability, you know, relationship, doing some sense of good, and, and kind of defining how you <laughs> want to guide your life to be able to guide your decisions and I realized I couldn't believe I hadn't thought of that and hadn't done that and I think as I'm kind of launching I'm transitioning myself into a new professional phase of my life as I'm I'm in grad school right now Um, and I'm realizing how important it is in this time to Take some time to reflect on what kind of mark I'd like to make in the professional world mm-hmm. for myself or the industry, for the planet, um, and you know where i where I find my purpose so that I can explore it within my career, but not make the mistake of finding my purpose in my career.
0: you know that's so important. we're more than just our job title and our work um, and oh yeah, you know, I love the point you raised about values. That's something I really strongly believe in. You know, I've actually developed a guide to help people identify their core values because similar to you, it wasn't really something I had thought about. <laughs> I just bumbled my way through life and, um, yes, um <laughs> you know, navigating big decisions and change is really hard. And if you're not clear on your priorities, it's even harder. So I've found being able to get clear on my core values has made decision-making so much easier and simpler. Like it's still, it's a big deal and you, you know, it's still, it's still difficult, but it's easier. And it's a lot of a, it's a simpler process because I can look through the lens of my values and go, well, this isn't aligned with the person I want to be. So no.
1: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. It's like a, a filter, a very nice filter. Okay, can I ask you, do you feel like you have very clear, defined one, mm. two, three style values or more of a an overarching sense of self? Such a good uh, question. And, and where you guide your values. Such okay. a good
0: question. Um, you know, something I've struggled with over the years before I sort of got clearer on values was finding my purpose, you know. And I don't know if you're familiar with Simon Sinek, but he's all about finding your why. And Yes. And I sort of got really deep into his content and I felt so much pressure because he said, you've only got one why and it never changes. And I thought, oh my God, I, I don't know what my why is. And I'm such a multi-passionate person. Like it could change. And I felt really restricted. But then I um, I was listening to one of Brene Brown's podcast episodes and she was talking about this thing about values and just reframing it in that way I found so helpful And I'm definitely not a black and white person, so I don't think I have a one, two, three. Um, But the best way I can describe my values is I think really important to me, and I have it on a tattoo on my arm, is to stay true. Um, Stay true to who you are. And Mm. it's easy to go off off, path because you just get caught up in the day-to-day. So that's kind of what I lead with, and I really believe in playing fair in life. Um, You know, it can be tempting to take advantage of people if there's feelings of animosity or anger, you know, and be really reactive. That's not the kind of person I want to be. So I want to play fair and lead with empathy. Um, We've all got shit going Mm -hmm. on. And I, I really try mm. not to jump to conclusions. I do it all the time. <laughs> I muck up. But, you know, I try to really <laughs> catch myself and, and pull myself up on that because I don't want to be that person. And what I've come to realise recently is that creativity is really important to me. And that's one of the reasons I'm doing this podcast. Yes. I just want to be creative. I want to ha- find joy in yes. that and I might not be good at it, but I'm having fun. I just want to enjoy life. Um, And another thing for me is courage, you know, having the courage to try new things because this world's scary and it feels safe to stay in our comfort zone. But I like to just remind myself, you know, be brave, try it. You don't know if you don't try it. So that's my best kind of explanation at the moment for what I'd say my values are. But, you know, ask me that in a few months and maybe it's changed a bit. I really think it's natural for it to shift because we experience personal growth and we change as people. Often it's similar, but I think it's natural for it to change. But what would you say your values are in life? Okay,
1: I oh, love that. Um, I just wanted to say I kind of I like the way you've been putting this. I I want to do this and I am this kind of person. I've been really intrigued Lately, I haven't read the book myself, but I I listen as well to Brene Brown's podcast, Love Her, and she had James Clear, who wrote Mm -hmm. Atomic Habits, on. And that that podcast episode was very um, monumental for me and just my Mm -hmm. thought pattern and He talks about, you know, our choices, our votes toward the kind of person we want to be. So rather than making some goal, which will then lead into the next goal, the next goal, the next goal, right? It's kind of this, like, destination-oriented mindset, Mm. these goals wherein life is literally journey. It's all about the going. You never get there, but you just – it's important that you go. And so this, like, going towards the kind of person you want to become – makes each choice and each decision just part of that mm. journey that overarching journey um and and so I, I like that you've put it that way and i found myself i find myself for the past few months writing in that style and reflecting in that style um you know even reflecting i like i like stoicism the philosophy of stoicism quite a bit and they make a mention of healthy reflection and being willing to say i didn't like the way i handled that so much and here's why. And that's enough at this moment, because that's all that's in my control at this point. And now I carry forward and I try it better the next time. Um, You know, so in in moments of that, I found myself saying, okay, what what kind of person do I want to be, if not quite that, right? And, And how does that align with my inner nature as it is and my strengths? And how can I set myself up to, you know, take best advantage of that? And I think for me that's probably leans into one of my values is in embracing you know kind of this full spectrum Mm. of existence this duality um in which we all exist where you know good and bad are are really just two sides of the same coin or two ends of Mm -hmm. the same spectrum i'm um, very intrigued by the kind of alan watts frame of mind as far as that goes um, and so embracing kind of this this dual-sided or multifaceted being that we are. And Esther Perel, I like, uh, puts it really well also on Brene Brown's mm-hmm. podcast where she says, we often split the ambivalence um, and try to embody and encompass just all one side of something. But no one is all one side of everything, of anything Um, and I think for me, I've always been a very intense person. And so coming to this place of just embracing both extremes and settling somewhere within it (laughs) rather than trying to bolster or, you know, suspend one side of, of something (laughs) and find myself ping ponging back and forth. Um, I think kind of that, that radical acceptance, um, that understanding of what we do and don't control kind of that that stoic belief is a value of mine um i think as as we talked about strengths that acceptance and embracing of of my inner nature and learning to work with my strengths is a value of mine and and doing all of this in a way that is making life better for myself and all of those around me as much as I can to to the extent that my strengths contribute to that, right? Um, I think this understanding that existence is also a, a duality in the sense that we are our context as much as our context is us. We are all existing within the same earth system, um, you know, and so our relationship with other life, be it humanity or the planet, the earth in which on which we live, nature, um, taking active part and fulfilling our role within that. Um, so again, that kind of ties back into that acceptance and that ability to to tie it together in the right direction, mm, if that, if that mm. all makes sense.
0: <laughs> I like this idea of, you know, your values as your north star or your compass, you know, and we're not always going to get it right. Um, but if we can come back and go, hmm, I've gone a bit off path, let's let's redirect, like this is where I want to be. Um, none of us are perfect and I love you know, you're talking about making life better for yourself, for others, for the planet, and I really believe we're all connected. And it mm-hmm. it's more, it's bigger than just yourself, right? And I love that. Mm-hmm. I, you know, one of my another thing that's important to me, I guess you could call it a value, is is connection and connecting with others. I'm a person who has fairly small, I guess, friendship circle because I want deep, meaningful relationships. I'm not someone who loves to go out and socialise and have chit-chat with lots of people because I just, I don't see the point. (laughs) Some people love that and enjoy it. And I'm curious on, on how you find that. But for me, I find it very draining and I'd rather, and I'm an introvert, right? So yeah, um speaking with people in general even if it's an enjoyable conversation is draining and I need time to recuperate so I need to use that energy wisely how do you find that
1: um
0: well I love
1: I love your perspective and I like that we do have a different one and for very good reason um I think that I I love the meaningful connection and the depth of connection um but I also love this kind of idea of of common humanity you know that we are each a piece of this common humanity and so the more people the more cultures the more ways of life we know the more we know about humanity as a whole of which we are a part so to some extent the more you know about your own self um, maybe just the limits of your capability and longing as part of this grand humanity if that makes sense um, so, and but I am quite extroverted um, who does need time to recover, and I have been right. learning that more and more mm-hmm. over the years, um, and accepting the need to plan yeah. that. otherwise, I won't give <laughs> it to myself. <laughs> I do thrive on interaction with people, but it drain it does drain me as well. i'm I'm a big woo person, a winning others mm-hmm. over person. Um, so I, I thrive on it, but I, I think it is a, a bit of a, a game for me to some extent, you know, so it kind of can shift from a I'm gaining from this to I'm trying to win right. this in yeah. some way. And that's when I need to pause and come back to myself and reduce my need for mm. validation.
0: <laughs> so that's a that's an area I'm kind of diving into a lot. Yeah, I love that. And I think it ties into setting boundaries for yourself, yes. you know. And you spoke about needing to be intentional and and actually plan time for you to recover, and to me, mm-hmm. that's the perfect example of setting a boundary <laughs> yeah so how what are your thoughts on setting boundaries, and is it something you find easy? How do you do <laughs> it you know what have how have you found that for me, it has been such a journey, so tell uh, me about what it's been like for you. Oh, same. I'm so I'm
1: hoping maybe you have all the answers for me here.
0: <laughs> I was hoping the same about you.
1: <laughs> uh, it's been it's been a journey. I it feels like something I had never considered mm. up until a few years ago in my life. Like it wasn't a thought. I'm not I'm not sure how I had never come across the idea. Um I think in some ways, growing up without boundaries has been a very like free um, loose way to explore a lot of, parts of myself and other people and opportunities. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm kind of grateful for that style, for all that it has served me in. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm coming to a point in life where I'm realizing um, that everything comes at a cost. And the sacrifice of not having boundaries is sometimes feeling out of bounds and not knowing Mm -hmm. it (laughs) Mm -hmm. and not knowing how to address it. (laughs) Um, And it kind of, uh, that sense of, freedom um, is saying, just going with everything. Um, And I've been at at a place where I describe myself as feeling gaseous, in that I was occupying whatever container I was in, Mm -hmm. I didn't really have much of a sense of cohesion between being my particles of my being, right. And um I kept thinking, who is making these choices, And I think that's a consequence of not having boundaries is you don't have as strong a sense of self. Mm. Um, and so it's a lot harder to gain clarity on who right. you are um, to accept and refine. Mm.
0: I'm um, just so... soaking all that in, yeah. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, that's been kind of the the beginning of my journey into boundaries.
0: I guess what what about you? Oh yeah um you know you touched on it being related to your sense of self and I love how you're talking about you're just filling all the space you know um and who's informing those decisions I think I've I've definitely been there and it's <laughs> I go there a lot I <laughs> yes. find you know I'm a bit of a social chameleon I I want to um, I don't want to make others yes. feel uncomfortable. So I tend to just sort of be quite agreeable and <laughs> really like, I don't want to be that person. I'm such an advocate for standing up for what you believe in and expressing your true self. You know, I just said earlier, staying true is a huge thing for me, but it's something I struggle with. Like it's scary. And there's <laughs> a lot of fear of judgment for me um, around expressing my true self who, Whose judgment yeah. is it that? Mm. that you're afraid Every, of? Everybody, even people I don't know. <laughs> like what is that about? It's, it's illogical, but I'm so concerned about what other people will think of me. But to what purpose, right? That doesn't serve me and I don't think it helps me make better decisions because I'm making a decision based on someone else's priorities and expectations.
1: Okay, and have, have you ever had to kind of come face-to-face face with that fear? Have you received a, a bad review per se?
0: No. <laughs> <laughs> no, what I do don't. Th- yeah. not, that, not that comes to mind. Um, I think if I'm being honest, and I'm just sort of voicing my thoughts aloud, so hopefully I can articulate them clearly, is I very much value external validation and it feels good when someone says they're proud of you or, wow, you know, that's amazing, I couldn't do that. Like it feels so good. Yes. But again, that's doing things for someone else. It doesn't really serve you. Um, But I fall into that trap and it's something I'm, it's a lesson I'm constantly learning, unlearning, relearning, going round and round because and i think that speaks to my sort of people-pleasing nature right i don't want to let people down and i have such a strong work ethic and and naturally want to serve others and help others but that very often can come at the cost of myself
1: um can i throw kind of my spoon mm-hmm. in
0: another mm-hmm. thought
1: on that have you have you heard of the idea of of love languages
0: mm yeah
1: and you know there's the words of affirmation physical touch gifts acts of service and something else nice mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. and you know I, for me i know words of affirmation is big for me and and that means a lot to me and it sounds like you're expressing something very similar And so I think, you know, that's kind of a a healthy lower bound to the um, need for validation. It's like, yes, it does feel good. And it is allowed to feel good, right? But where's that upper bound when you're starting to exceed that limit, and it's converting itself into something else? Mm. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's really interesting. And I think I feel like you're talking about love languages, I feel like I got a bit of denial going on here because I've done this exercise before and one of the the top one for me is um, acts of service. And I've always said, oh, words of affirmation, I don't care. You can say anything, but unless you're going to follow through, I don't care. Uh But I've just said to you a couple of minutes ago (laughs) how much value I place on that external validation. So that's, you know, that's really given me food for thought. Um, We're not – we don't always behave in the way perhaps – we think we short or that we want to, like but sometimes you can't change who you are, right, and you have to yeah. learn to accept, actually, yeah, that is part of who I am, and I do really um it's important to have those words of affirmation, so yeah, thank you for bringing that to light. That's a really interesting reflection point for me. I'm still like processing that so I'm just. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I look forward to
1: revisiting this with you at some point. Then. For sure, yeah. It's funny. like why? I wonder why it is that you don't want to. Okay, like in a very different vein but similar. I denied myself of glasses when I needed them for years wow. because I did not want them. So I just, you know, I was really against mm-hmm. it. And I have no idea why. I like them. Right. They're cute, and they really help me take in the world. Yeah. Why do you think it is that you're, you know, kind of adamant against not – having words of affirmation as a love language you know i, I just i'm curious
0: any thoughts that is, on it that's really interesting <laughs> and i think i think part of it is i've always seen myself as a very independent strong person mm. i can do mm. it by myself so um the words of affirmation almost goes against that
1: yes you know you i think like it's it. in
0: conflict <laughs> and i'm making this big assumption that you can't be a strong independent person and want words of affirmation and I think I need to challenge that big assumption, right? Yes, Definitely. Yeah. This ties into, again, a Brene Brown podcast. Um, and I've forgotten the name of the authors, but uh, anyway, I'll, I'll write it in the description when I find it. But there's this thing called immunity to change and it talks about how we often get in our own way when we're trying to make changes. And it kind of reminded me of this because it gets you to look at your big assumptions so it doesn't matter how much you want to achieve something, there's always a competing what they call commitment. Um, so m- my goal, I guess, is to be a strong, independent person, a high achiever. But the competing commitment perhaps is, you know, I don't want to fail and, and I like to be able to do things on my own. Um, I don't want to ask for help and so my big assumption is you can't be strong, independent, and ask for help, and to, you know, like yes. so they're fighting each other. So I think that's a really interesting dynamic to think about.
1: And it, and it ties into a bit. I think this thought I've been having over the past couple of years, especially as I've um, dived back into into grad school. Um, I took some years off and and went back to school, and it was it was a big change and adjustment. I also took some years off and lived abroad, and then moved back. So um shook everything up very radically and so it's it's been a great opportunity to to really look at myself and my values and um and have the chance to put in some hard work in a setting that is a bit of an incubator for growth um so kind of beautifully surrounded by support um and so i've been thinking a lot about imposter syndrome i think um we we all face that and and to some extent Mm -hmm. a a lot of us do um i'll be careful and i think for me it really showed up because i had been away from the my entire industry and Mm setting for some time and then launched back into it and um Anyway, I kept kind of thinking, what is this? And I, I've always been afraid of professionalism, too, as a person. I've always shied away from it. Um, that's that kind of intensity and lack right. of boundaries thing, just easier not yeah. to have to navigate that. Um, so kind of coming in and thinking about my career and, and, and moving myself in a new direction, I've I've realized I'm, I'm very ambitious and, and driven and daring when it comes to my own very personal endeavors. But once it becomes some sort of role um, I get hesitant. Um, and I and I struggle to to do. I I, I fail to do rather than do and fail, and in those scenarios more often. And I thought I think it's because I kind of put this role as like an upper bound for myself. There's a certain way that I have to be, and that's the ceiling. Um, but I really think that those roles are more of a lower bound. There are certain things you must achieve. It's a launching point. You have to fulfill the responsibilities, right? But but then you have room to be yourself within it you know and so kind of this idea of oh independent person that means this and so i have to encompass that but no that's the lower bound okay you're starting from there but what do yeah. you add to it up into a certain boundary where it's healthy and safe mm-hmm. and contributing to that sense mm-hmm. of self
0: right yeah i love i love that way of framing framing it and it, it like i love just challenging the way we think right i think it's such an important part of of personal growth. And you've mentioned a few times the upper bound and the lower bound. And I think that yes. <laughs> it also ties in with strengths and weaknesses. And I know that your, <laughs> your PhD is in fiber and polymer science. Yep. And can you talk us through, um, I recall maybe a month ago or something, you had a post on LinkedIn, or maybe it was longer, about navigating your PhD and using your strengths. So can you share a bit mm. about that? Um,
1: yeah. Yeah. I think so. I, I am a person who has a very floaty and flowery side, um, right. which I love about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also do have a very logical, technical mind that mm-hmm. I love to employ. I, I love fast math, for example. Right. I, just, I get to throw a lot of times tables or keeping score <laughs> in bowling, uh, yeah. little, you know, little tidbits. and um, So I chose a, a career in the field of STEM. Mm-hmm. Um, and I enjoy it. Uh, but when I did the, the Clifton Strengths Assessment mm-hmm. last year, I at first kind of felt invalidated and disappointed that my top five strengths were all people related and, and oriented. Right. Yeah. Um, and it was, it was interesting because it wasn't until we, we did a workshop on it with a cohort from, from my program and a boy that I know who's very friendly and kind and smart mm-hmm. and also in my program also got very people oriented ones mm. and I didn't think twice about his position in engineering oh,
0: interesting mm.
1: I had to challenge my own bias against myself um, and, and expectations I was placing on myself as a mm. a gendered <laughs> stereotype you know that that I had bought into and and I thought mm. that was a a kind of nice point of challenge for myself and ability to recognize these are just the things that come most natural to me and and make me who I am. And the fact that they're quite different from the field I'm in, gives me a very well-rounded perspective and and Mm. different opportunities. Um, And I've seen that come to play. I'm um, very good at connecting with people and it's because I love it. I I deeply enjoy Mm -hmm. getting to know Mm -hmm. people. Um, and that comes across, and so I've I've forged beautiful connections um, mm. within my program in my university where I did my undergrad as well, and it's yeah. it's led me to more and more opportunities, um, and I've developed a lot of great relationships within people in my program and other professors and across different departments and. And that gives me a lot of of joy um Mm -hmm. and it's also a strength of mine when it comes to guiding my path and opening new doors for me so i realize for myself um that appealing to my strengths really helps kind of harvest my energy i think when when we do the things that are most natural for us um, then we kind of generate energy God. through that, which we can then apply to the things that aren't as natural mm. and easy. But when we try to drive all of our energy brute force into that, which does not come natural, we run our engine dry <sighs> and we're not producing more. So for me, it's it's a good balance of, you know, taking the time to dive into the STEM and, and relearn chemistry and read a lot of articles and watch a lot of great videos. Thank yeah. God for technology today. Shout out to Khan Academy. <laughs> um, but aside from that, I, I really tried to make a point to to create opportunities to engage with my lab mates, to do things outside of the classroom, and, and to build relationships, to get lunch with, with my friends in and out of school, and to feed that side of myself um, through connection because then the rest comes a little oh, bit easier. Yeah. And that's, that's kind of the
0: point I had made in that post yeah, you were referring and to. And it's so powerful. Um, I did the Clifton Strengths um, as well. And I was also a bit confronted. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I'm going to talk about the, bo- the ones at the bottom of the list. Um, so I consider myself an excellent communicator. And that was mm-hmm. third from the bottom for me and I was Ugh. offended I was like excuse me and positivity was even lower and I also think I'm quite a positive person I thought oh and then woo was the very bottom of the list and I was quite even more offended how dare you but I love the way you explained it that our strengths are what comes easiest to us. I love that. I think that's a very powerful way of looking at it. It doesn't mean we're not that I'm not good at communication, yes. but perhaps it takes more intentional thought. And when I look at it through that lens, I think yeah, actually that's that's probably right. And the woo thing, I that's just not me at all. Like <laughs> that's so difficult <laughs> like I, I I just need to confront that right but the, the num- my top strength was um I've got it next to me my top 5 what were they restorative relater learner consistency and futuristic um
1: and the fact that you're, you're launching this podcast, this, this whole mm-hmm. new business, really speak to all of those strengths from my perspective.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's really cool to hear your perspective on it as, as an outsider. And what I love about these strengths is it's framed as strengths, like the bottom of the list, they are not called weaknesses. Mm-mm. That It's potential for growth, that areas of mm-hmm. potential. And I think seeing it that way, really helps. It's just this really powerful reframe for me um, that I love. And I think it also ties into something we've, you and I have spoken about a lot in that our strengths can also be our weaknesses. Yes. And it's this continuum. If we take a strength too far, too extreme, I think it can very quickly become a weakness. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yes. Oh, yeah, I absolutely agree. Um, There's two kind of literature references that I think of Um, a beautiful book, The Dance of Intimacy by Harriet Lerner. Um, And she talks very much about this exact topic. Um, In shares that she was in a a ladies group and they had a few too many glasses of wine and someone had the great idea of saying what they each liked and disliked about everyone else. You know, that always goes so well. (laughs) And uh, she said, you know, she went around, it was uh, difficult to endure, but it was also elucidating to the fact that what we like is the same as what we dislike about people, just in the wrong context or setting or dose. Right. You know, you like that I am a go-getter and that I take charge and that I I make things happen, but you dislike when it seems bossy Mm -hmm. and like I'm taking over the conversation and they both come from the exact same place, but they are expressed differently and in a different context. Right. And then I think about um, this book I love, The The Tao of Pooh by Benjamin Hoff. Mm -hmm. Um, and it explores the Taoism behind the old Winnie the Pooh stories by A. A. Milne. Very, very wonderful read. Um, and he tells a story. I think it's more of a proverb about a a thief, a pickpocket. You know, which is generally considered a negative mm-hmm, trade, mm-hmm. A you know, a bad thing. Um, is in the army. Um, and. They are at you know, at war with a with a neighboring kind of group or a tribe of men, clan of men. And so they send the pickpocket to the chief of the neighboring clan to steal something from under his pillow. And so, then the next night, they send him, and he, and he steals something else. And so, they essentially send the signal that we can get in here, and we can infiltrate, and we can make things—we can make things bad for you, mm-hmm. right? And so, the neighboring, you know, clan that they're at war with leaves. Right. And so, that idea of taking someone who had this supposed weakness, mm-hmm. but using it in the right context and setting where it becomes a strength—you mm-hmm. know—where they avoided an actual confrontation mm-hmm. <laughs> by employing. So every part of you is part of you and it has opportunities to shine as strengths and weaknesses (laughs) and it will do both and that's how we'll keep learning to kind of narrow in and confine (laughs)
0: yeah i I yeah i love that what a powerful story or proverb as you said um you know and i'm curious what do you consider to be your strengths
1: that's a good one um and I like that exercise, too. This is uh, when, when I was living in Spain for some time, which is what I did with my time off between undergrad and grad school. Um, I did a lot of that's when I felt gaseous. That's when I felt kind of at the, um, extents of my freedom. Mm. <laughs> and, um, I, I started really quality therapy. It was a great time to dive into myself. And one of the first exercises my therapist there had me do was a list of my strengths. Um, and I just think it's a really nice exercise to revisit from time to time mm. too. <laughs> so thank you for the question <laughs> and the opportunity. <laughs> um, I think, a a large strength of mine is is connecting Mm. um in multiple ways i really like to find the connection uh amongst all things this is why i like to be in the stem field Mm. um but do you know a lot of reading and writing and, and exploring of nature and um connecting with myself and meditation um i also really like connecting with other people and and connecting gaps between things um i think i'm i'm very good at showing up Mm. for myself and for others i i'm i love supporting people and i'm i'm very great i think Mm -hmm. at finding the ways to do that um and I think pos- positivity is just a huge strength of mine. It's one of those things I just can't seem to help. Yeah. I'm, I'm grateful to, to have kind of been born this way, yeah. but I really see life as an opportunity mm. in each part of it. Um, <laughs> and and I, I hold on to that quite a bit. I think those are, those are probably the top couple that come to mm. my mind. Thank you for sharing <laughs> oh. that.
0: I want to touch on this, uh, the point that you said one of your strengths is positivity. And I want to know, how has that served you in life? Great. <laughs> I mean, in,
1: in short, I, I feel grateful to consider myself a happy person. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think a good amount of it is choice. I, I do believe in cognizant happiness. Mm-hmm. um I might change that to contentedness perhaps um, just this kind of sense of being comfortable where you are um mm-hmm. I I think a lot of times people have asked me why are you so happy and I mm. I just <laughs> I said I mean I choose to be I don't know why I wouldn't be um yeah. and it's nice yeah. it I, I make a game out of a lot of things in life. I really take in the the strange sort of luck that I have and and feel pretty connected with a lot of things that I do um because I'm choosing them, I think. <laughs> and that's so beautiful. Um, that being said, thank you. It has its low point as all strengths and weaknesses right. um where I think I have struggled probably with toxic positivity, mm. um, you know, and the need to be happy and right. the inability to accept the hard days and the hard moments and and every emotion um for what it brings um so that's one of the the kind of basements to that one
0: <laughs> yeah and thank you for for raising that because it's not all it's not all a strength and we all have our our internal battles right and i think toxic positivity is you know, I wouldn't mind talking about that actually because I think it shows up a lot online. Um, mm-hmm. It's all over social media. How do we – where is that line between being positive and being toxically positive? You know, where is that line?
1: Yeah, that is a great question. Um, I don't know that I have a line so much as I think I'm trying to Im- – things more as a wave or a cloud. Mm. Um, this idea that, you know, a wave and a cloud is constantly changing right. shape and form, but it is always a wave or a cloud and part of the grander ocean or atmosphere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I think just allowing feelings yes. to come into work themselves as they do. Um, so rather than Create that line of, I must be positive at this exact moment. Allow your feelings. I I think there's something to be said about giving yourself a space, a specific space to feel Mm. and not carrying things out into a sense of self-pity. Right. Um, But I think often when we just let ourselves feel what it is, whether it's anxiety or sadness or fear or pain, and and just welcome it it generally does keep transforming itself as a wave or a cloud um and then you i'm learning you don't have to worry so much about what is toxic positivity and what isn't if you just feel it as it comes i love that and allow it to yeah easier said than done of course
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah allowing ourselves to feel is so important um Difficult because it can be so bloody inconvenient, you know. Um, Sometimes I don't want to feel. I just want to get on with my day. But trying to block out those feelings or compartmentalise them. um, Self-destructive, really. So, yeah, I, I like your framing of this. You know, it's not really about defining toxic positivity. It's about just feeling and navigating that. And I think a big part of it is not judging those feelings just like okay this is how i'm feeling and okay I acknowledge and that yeah and,
1: mm. welcoming the discomfort of yes. it and not knowing i think part of that too is welcoming the uncertainty and the not knowing mm. um not having to define it as good or bad or you know toxic right. positive or not positive enough or whatever it is I've, i faced this recently i had a great opportunity of this with um with my husband and we had a little clash that just wasn't Mm -hmm. quite comfortable. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I just, I want that to be cleared up and okay. It feels kind of uncomfortable. And he said, maybe that's okay for right now, (laughs) which was a really powerful thing to say. And then Mm -hmm. very shortly after it was, it was a minor dispute. So it it was Mm -hmm. nice to kind of work through in this way. Shortly after we came up with another, Kind of compromise and possible solution that would work for both of us and realized that discomfort was a good indication that the previous system wasn't working right and that's all that the discomfort was and wanting mm-hmm. it not to be there was trying to slap some solution onto it and not mm-hmm. actually allow ourselves to understand it and then it was very easy to try to work through yeah. with that space and time to understand it so that's you know kind of what that allowing that discomfort
0: is for yeah you raise a really good point I think learning to embrace discomfort and uncertainty so important and it's something something I struggle with you know because it's scary it is scary it's so unknown and it's uncomfortable and it just oh like why can't it just be easy
1: it's for me it's kind of like this feeling of if I know then I can cross not knowing off my to-do list and take that weight off my shoulders. Right, it's like I right. I'm carrying the uncertainty as yes. something to solve at all times.
0: <laughs> but we don't have to solve it. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. it's a, it's a journey. It? It's it's self-growth, <laughs> self-discovery. Like I think it can be beautiful. So yeah, trying to reframe that is is something I'm I definitely am working on and Try not to judge myself on, right? It's just... Yes. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm there with you. I really am. I want to come back to what we were talking about at the beginning. I think it ties in with this superwoman complex. And, you know, when we feel like we're doing well in something, we kind of crave more on it and we just pile more and more and more onto our plate And it becomes, or at least for me, and I'd love to hear your perspective, just, it's like, well, why am I doing it anymore, actually? Like, you're just piling all these things on, but to what end?
1: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I've I've been there. I can remember a few moments that I've said to myself, what is the point of this? Why am I doing any of this? Um, sometimes I kind of like those moments, though, because they are a reminder of our complete freedom. Right. We can do anything at any time. There are no actual rules and limitations. There are consequences. Yes. To our choices. Um, but and, and I like the philosopher, the existential philosopher Sartre says that um, liberty is, is th- that freedom is anguish that a lot of us get very overwhelmed by this, you know, sense that we could do anything. There's nothing really stopping us. Um, but sometimes I think when I hit that point of, wh- why am I doing all of this? It's kind of a reminder of that. Oh, wait, there is no actual need or, or requirement or anything tying me to all this, yeah. you know? And it's almost like hitting that boundary and busting it open a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, which just, I don't know, maybe like releases all the air and frees you to reassess the boundary, you know? So
0: true, yeah. And I love that you actually tied it to freedom. You said there's no rules. I agree. Yeah. It can feel like there are so many rules and the status quo just builds this very well-defined box and this is how we do things around here. You know, Don't don't, yes. don't step yes. out of it. <laughs> there's not actually a wall there, but <laughs> we're told there is
1: so that might even kind of tie into this idea of like strengths and weaknesses being two sides of the same Mm. coin where that that kind of desire to pile so much on Mm. is at some point becomes a weakness but then it can almost transform into a strength again where you realize well, I can do all that. Do I necessarily want to or need to? Right. No, but what else can I do that I didn't know I could do? What other boundaries can I push? And and to what extent and for what reason? And is it maybe somewhere more aligned with what Mm. I want to be doing?
0: Love that reframe. And I truly believe all of us are so much more capable than we realize. Yes. And it's only when we're backed into a corner and, you know, life... Throws us a bit of a curveball, and we just have to do it. And somehow we get through it because mm. we're amazingly strong. Um, but yeah, we shouldn't forget that. And I, I like that you're framing it as it is a choice. You know, we can we put all these things on our plates, and we're doing all the things, but that doesn't have to be a weakness, right? I love that you're yeah. framing it as good things can come from that. Um, but if we go back to the point you raised about it being freedom. I think this brings us to a really nice kind of ending point because, as you know, the podcast is called Find Your Freedom. (laughs) And a question I I like to end on and sort of get people to think about is what does freedom mean to you and how does it show up in your life?
1: I think that's a great question Um, and I love – actually, I can tie this into a LinkedIn post Mm. I saw you make recently – um and i have over the years come to understand freedom as the ability to say no mm. um as well as yes and to make your choices um <laughs> which i think the bottom line is your freedom is always in your choice mm. Um, you know, there's this notion that people can take anything else away from you, but they can't take away your decision. Um, and that is different in different contexts. I think I'm fortunate to live in a place in the world where that's a very wide open box. Mm -hmm. Um, when other people have these circumstances that that's much more limited, Mm -hmm. um, yet in the end that is all we have is the freedom of our choice um, and how we respond to the situation given the options that are available right right um (laughs) and i think kind of coming to that has been a sense of freedom learning to accept um what is the reality and what the options truly are Mm. um, and make the intentional choice (laughs) on which one i want to follow Mm -hmm. Um, also remembering that life is a continuum, mm-hmm. and we can come back <laughs> right. to to make another choice, and a con- it's a continuous choice after choice. Mm. So it's about constantly making the the next choice or the choice we're on.
0: Mm. Yeah, I love how you've said, you know, there's always a choice, and and it's powerful that you acknowledge that's different for everybody, right? In terms of how how big that box of choice is. Um, but I think there's always some sort of choice. And yeah. it, it. I think it's a bit of a game changer to, to um, realise that there is a choice. Sometimes the choices might not be exactly the choices you want, but there is a choice. Mm-hmm. And I think framing it that way gives you um, a sense of agency, right, in your life. Yes. Mm. Which is so important for everybody. I think when when you start to feel like all the decisions are being made from you and you're just being taken out to see it's so disempowering and and mm-hmm. overwhelming. So yeah, recognizing your choices and making um making a purposeful decision I think is so important and I love that you you see that as part of your freedom.
1: Yeah, yeah. What what about you? Have have you been answering this every time?
0: <laughs> or would you share oh, with no, me? No, yeah. Um oh, I find it so hard to articulate. How do you possibly articulate freedom? I think a big part of it for me is freedom of my time. You know, I um I have lost both of my parents. So I lost my dad at twenty-one and my mum at twenty-seven. So it's Both of those life events, you know, they're traumatic, but they've really brought into perspective that time is one of those things we can't control, right? We don't know how long we have on this earth, and that can be scary. But my choice is how am I going to spend that time? Mm -hmm. I don't know how long there is, but I can choose how I spend that time. So to me, part of freedom is being intentional with that, and I want to live a life where... Yeah, I am being intentional with that. So that's a huge part of it for me—the time factor—and um, also, I think it really ties in with my values, right? Because what what freedom means to each of us is very much dependent on what's important to us and who we are. So mm. a big part of it for me is just finding the joy in things and and being creative. Um, having the space in my life to do that. I don't want to fill life with all the things that are just sucking the life out of me. I want to do the things that I enjoy and there might not be any end point to these creative things I'm doing, but it's the journey that I enjoy. Um, And the ability to say no to things is very much part of what I consider to be freedom because, And it does involve being able to say yes, but I think for me I frame it as being able to say no because that's something I find so difficult. And when I say no, I really feel it allows me to say yes to something that's more important, which ties into being purposeful um, with my time. And saying no, how that shows up in my life is when I put myself first, Mm -hmm. when I put my priorities first. And when I put myself first outcomes are always wonderful they might be unexpected but it's always always so rewarding um so yeah, yeah that that would that's my definition of freedom at the moment
1: <laughs> yes yes no I love it um and I just I thought of when you said that it's hard to articulate it, it reminded me I'm I really like um old soul from the United States, and I got into watching some documentaries for a time. Yeah. And I watched one on Nina Simone, mm-hmm. um, who was a very powerful part of the civil rights movement as well. Mm. And um, so she has a beautiful song, I Wish I Knew How It Felt to Be Free. Um, mm. And in the documentary, they asked her what it what it felt like being on stage, and she said she loved it because that's when she felt free. And they said, mm. "What? what does that mean? And she said... It like I don't have words for it. You know it when you feel it. And then she followed it up with no fear. Mm. And that was kind of her identifying that's that feeling. Um and I I loved that. That just always really stuck
0: with me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought so I'd powerful. share that as we close. Yeah. So powerful. Thank you. Um sure. Yeah, I just wanna say thank you so much. This has <laughs> been an amazing conversation with so many twists and turns and yeah you've really um challenged my thinking on some things and give me a lot to reflect on. So, thank you. Like this has been really enjoyable and um I I always enjoy our chats. Um but before we sign out, is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, um no, thank you so very much for having me. Um this has been such a joy. It's it's really nice to take the opportunity to get to know other perspectives and other expressions of humanity. Thank you. I really appreciate
0: it. I feel the same. Thank you so much. And we'll talk soon.
1: (laughs) Have a good one.
0: Yeah, you too. If this episode resonated with you at all, could I please ask that you share it with a friend who you think could get value from it? And whilst you're doing that, make sure you follow and subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss another episode. And whilst you're following or subscribing, please leave us um, a rating, preferably five stars, and also a written review. Doing each of these things is going to help this podcast reach more people and impact more lives, which is at the end of the day is what we're here to do. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. Remember, you matter, you're worth it, and you are so, so capable. Take care of yourself, and I'll see you next week.